this is Jasmine, host of the Female Founder World podcast. Welcome back to the show. We've got Dandy Pets founder Danielle Sobel on the podcast today. She launched her personalized dog supplement startup in 2020. She raised a little over a million dollars and then was acquired by a company called Fuzzy literally two years later. So she went from launch to scaling to sold within two years. And that sounds like a pretty neat little entrepreneurship story in hindsight. But of course, there is so much more to the story and we dive into all of it in today's conversation. And because Danielle is a serial entrepreneur and just one of those people that are always thinking of business ideas, we have a little brainstorm about what ideas you folks should be working on if you're looking for something. And I also asked her about the pet space in general and whether it's still ripe for disruption or if that area is well and truly done. I hope you guys enjoy the conversation. And if you do, don't forget to drop us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. You are now entering Female Founder World with your host, Jasmine Grindsworthy. Danielle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. We're going to get to Dandy in a second, which is the business that you just sold. But before we do that, I want to get a bit of an understanding. I know that you're a serial entrepreneur. How did you get your start in this entrepreneurship space? Great question. When I was 20, I went to school at FIT in New York City. I was studying like just business, basically marketing. I always thought I wanted to be a publicist. And I started interning at this company that I can't even remember the name now. I think it was called like Social Passport or something. And I ended up meeting this girl named Dara. And me and Dara, we would do, we were doing like sales. So we'd like go to all these places and try to basically sell this app or something. And we started going around and the one thing all these like business, really small business owners, mostly restaurants would tell us was like, oh, no, but we need social media. We need social media. And this was in... I'm 32 right now. So this was in 2000 and I don't know, whatever, 10, mm-hmm. 12 years ago, um, 2010. So everyone's like, any social media, any social media. Me and Tara were like, why don't we just do this? So we started this like social media marketing company when we were, while we were working for this other job. So we would say we were going out and selling this app, but instead we were going out and actually pitching people on our own business, which we called Media Factory. We had business cards, we made like a website and like- Amazing. We got all these clients. We pitched Hawaiian Airlines. We were like two 20 year old girls, like walking to, we had no idea what we were doing. We just (laughs) walked in, we sat down, we had a presentation and they were like, wow, this is really interesting. We were like, we're gonna charge you $5,000 a month. And I'm like, that's nothing. We should have been charging like, 30 grand or something. Totally. They would have been like amazing yeah, bargain. Great. I think our price made us not get that deal because they were like, what the hell, five grand a month? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But we ended up getting a bunch of clients and like both making money from it. I ended up moving to Texas at the time. She like went off to Minnesota or something like that, but we were still doing it. And I was like, wow, this is so great. There's so much freedom involved in this. And that's what really excites me, I think, about entrepreneurship in general, is this idea of freedom and the idea of like, you can literally create whatever you want, whenever you want, in whatever format. And like, if there's product market fit, like even better, right? And the idea of people like actually consuming a product that you're making or, you know, using a service that you're providing just feels really good and is really exciting to me. It's addictive. I feel like once you get that first win under your belt and that money hits your bank account for the first time, you're like, oh, this is a way more interesting way to make a living than anything I've been taught before. So much more fun. Well, to be fair, there's a lot of people who really 
aren't interested in that, right? Like a lot of people, there's a lot of people really love like going to an office and having like a little bit more structure. I think for me, I I don't necessarily like that. Like I like kind of just being able to wake up and be like, I'm going to do this today. I'm going to focus on that. I want to add this new product or this new, you know, marketing persona or whatever it is like there's just so much more creativity I think available to you when you're sort of building something for yourself and so then you started your business juice society how did that kind of all get started and unfold I so I had this like little media factory thing ended up moving to Texas with my ex I was like kind of bored because we were kind of like winding down media factory and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. So I started doing all this random stuff. I started making candles. I started like, I was like doing all these things. So I was like, I want to start a business. I just don't know what I want to start. Simultaneously, I had been suffering my whole life from really chronic eczema and migraines. And I've always been just like taking pills and creams and whatever else. And I started doing a lot of research in all my downtime and been like, <laughs> how do I actually help myself basically heal? And so I started doing a ton of research into juicing and supplementation and just changing my diet overall and how that sort of like, right, affects your health. And again, this is like 20... 12, 13, 14. So like maybe suja juice was like the new hot thing that just came out. Um, Uh And so that kind of inspired me. I started making a bunch of juice and I was like, people started asking me like, Hey, can you send me the recipe? Can you do this? And I was like, maybe there's something here. So I started literally making juice out of my kitchen, which is not legal, but I was putting it in glass bottles. Do not recommend do not recommend. I started, I was always so nervous too. So I was making it in these cute little like glass milk bottles, which now you see everywhere. I was in Austin at the time. There was nothing like that. And I just made this little website. I found a little commercial kitchen. I started getting some orders. Obviously social media was like our main route of like finding customers and whatnot and word of mouth. And then we would pop up at the farmer's market. And then I just kind of started growing it from there. Okay. So growing it from there, how did you get from kind of that step to no longer working in the business? So this was like a five year span. So started in the farmer's market. I was literally the one like making all the juice. I'd wake up at 4am. I'd get to the kitchen. I'd pack all my deliveries and I would drive in my own car to go deliver all this stuff, like all around Austin. And I was like, this is so tiring. So then I, we, I was like, that's got to be an easier way. I was like, this is not what I signed up for. And then we, and then I was like, okay, I really want a store. So I raised a little bit of money. I found a location. It was very expensive to build out. Also don't recommend, but (laughs) found this store, hired people. We started expanding our menu options. So we had like all of our juices. And then we had a couple smoothies and bowls. And we were really focused on like supplements and adaptogens and like really introducing all these new things that I had been using for years, but that weren't really readily available like anywhere else. So we sold out on our first day, which was so exciting. And like my proudest moment, I had also lost my dad literally like 30 days before our first store opened. So it was like a very emotional time for me. Yeah, thank you. It was and it was sudden. So it was like very emotional, like things happening all at once. But I was like really proud. I was like, oh my God, we sold out of all of our stuff. I don't know. Maybe we sold like $2,000 of product. So we started just growing that over the years. We ended up having a second location in a Whole Foods in Houston. And then we decided to launch product that you can like buy in stores, right? So we had like a manufacturer and we were making a couple juices and whatever else. And then selling them through like Whole Foods and Central Market and some other like retailers and whatnot. Uh, 
as that was happening, I kind of was losing my interest in the retail side of it. It was stressful. Like nobody, yeah. you know, people don't show up in the morning. That's not for me. That wasn't the type of business that I had envisioned or wanted. I was moving so far away from the core of what I wanted to do. So I decided to close the stores, which was also very emotional, but the right decision because then COVID happened mm. shortly after. But at the same time I was closing the stores, I was kind of already thinking about like, what's next for me? And I had this idea for Dandy. So I, in the background, was building Dandy and running Juice Society at the same time. And then once COVID like really started taking like a hit on all these retailers, obviously Juice Society took a hit also because like all these hotels and like cafes and every, everyone was closed. So no one was ordering and no one was paying us for any of the stuff that they had ordered previously. So mm. I kind of just made the decision at that point. Like we were, we were cash flowing. It was a great business, but it became more like a lifestyle business that I kind of just had running itself at that point. I only had like yeah. a couple employees by the time um, that was happening. And I was like, I think it's better if we just shut this down. It's my energy wasn't going to the right place. And I really thought Dandy was such a bigger opportunity and I was so excited about it. So I was like, let's do Dandy like full time. I need all my energy into this. Yeah. Before we get into talking about Dandy, I think that that's such an interesting point. And it's something that I've kind of been in, I think the last year as well, where you kind of have one business where you just feel like you're I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like the right fit. You feel like you're constantly just pushing shit uphill. It's a real slog. And then there's something else that's really exciting. But then at the same time, I'm also really cognizant of the fact that just like my nature, and I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurial is like that shining object syndrome yeah. and always actually wanting to do what's new. And, and so it's like that thing of like, okay, when is it actually the opportunity that I should be pursuing and, and doing like a big pivot versus just me being excited about the possibility of something new, which is so ingrained in like who I am as a person. What was it for you that made you feel comfortable in taking that leap? Yeah. So some people take the approach of like, I'm not going to talk to anybody about my ideas because mm -hmm. they're, they're going to take it or something. I talk I, to everyone. I don't, everyone. <laughs> I don't care. I'm like, I want to know what you think. And yeah. I think what did it for me was the excitement level around Dandy versus the excitement level around Juice Society from both a consumer, but also an investor perspective was mm -hmm. like worlds apart. Dandy was like, yeah. oh my God, this is brilliant. Giuseppe was like, yeah, but look at all the competition and this, yeah. and it's cold chain, it's perishable. Like all these retailers are like impossible to track down. It costs a lot of money to scale. It was just such two like very different businesses. And when I thought about what makes me the happiest, it was around creating like this really fun, exciting, approachable brand for somebody that made them feel really good. And Juice Society did that on a product level, but it was really hard to control the brand when you're selling into retailers. Like I don't have mm -hmm. any control over that anymore. The opportunity to connect with consumers was so different. And I was like, Dandy feels like so much more aligned with kind of what I love doing and how I love building something versus what Juice Society had become. I think Juice Society in the beginning, like when I had the store, I was so excited. Like I saw the people every day and whatever else, but then like the, like in theory, owning a store is really fun. But when you have like food waste and perishable stuff and people not showing up and I was just like, oh, man, you're knocking the wind out of my sails. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, that sounds, it sounds like-, like I was being lazy, but I wasn't. I mean, I gave it like a good run. It was five years. Like I was just like, this is yeah. so aligned with me. But yeah, definitely hard because I agree as an entrepreneur, you're always thinking about like, okay, well, like what else is there? And I think you tend to view the world a little bit differently and view opportunity differently. And you're like, wait a second, look at this entire white space of like, and it's not like I haven't had a million ideas since Dandy. I have, mm-hmm. but I'm always just like, I, do I really want to do that? Not really. I feel like I'm the kind of person I have an idea and, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go and like buy the domain name and like get all the handles and like that, like straight away. And I usually give myself like 15 minutes and a hundred dollar budget and just like do those things and then sit on it for a few weeks. And if I'm still interested, then we can like start having some conversations with people. Yeah, I like because... that. That's an interesting <laughs> approach. 15 minutes, hundred dollars, do what you want. Yeah. T- give it like a month. See if you're super excited about it. Totally, totally. Especially when if you're someone who like sees a lot of opportunity and has a lot of ideas all the time, it can just end up distracting you. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Dandy. You guys are doing, you're doing personalized supplements for dogs, which Mm -hmm. I love. I was looking through the website and it's got a whole lot of words about like AI and big data. And how does that feed into the services that you're offering and the products that you offer? So I have three dogs. And all of them are rescues, they're all mutts, and they all have totally different issues. And so my point of friction and frustration was, well, really, my one dog, Zoe, was the catalyst for all this. She has horrible allergies. She, oh, and, Zoe. Yeah, poor Zoe. She's so cute. When we moved down to Austin, she was like, because I lived in Houston for a little bit first. And then when I moved down to Austin, she was just, it was horrible. And I spent so much time and so much money at the vet trying to figure out like, what is going on with my dog? Why can't we figure this out? Changing foods and shots and medication, all this stuff. But it wasn't getting any better. And I really felt like a lot of it was like a Band-Aid solution. And then I kind of thought back to myself and when I was going through all this stuff and I was Mm. like, I was getting offered Band-Aid solutions. And then I kind of looked into supplements and whatever else and really found like methods and things that worked for me to heal. And so I was like, maybe I could do this for my dog. So I started thinking about like, okay, what is allergies in general? It's just like, how do we tame inflammation across the board? So I started kind of mixing up all these like, it was like coconut oil and turmeric and like CBD and whatever else and like spoon feeding it to her, which she hated, but it actually started working because like at its core, it's helped taming inflammation. It like her skin was getting better, all of these things. So I started doing a bunch of research into supplements. I was like, why is this so confusing? Like, why is there so much friction here? I can, I know about supplements and I can't even figure out what to give my dog. And I was like, that's a problem. So I started, I did a little poll on Instagram. I'm like, hey, do you give your dog any supplements? And if so, like, what do you give them? Everyone was saying they were giving their dog like three different supplements, but nobody could tell me a brand name. They don't remember where they got it from. And they don't actually even know if it's working or why they were giving it to them. They're like, oh, I saw it. I thought maybe it would work. And I was like, this is interesting. So really interesting. I basically found a couple of vets and I was like, Hey, I have this idea. I need some help on formulation and figuring out like I had a general idea of what would be safe for dogs that humans also could use. And that would actually work. But I obviously wanted vet buy-in and making sure that like we were aligned with like the medical community. And so kind of brought them on board. I hired a data scientist and we started building out basically a recommendation engine that would look at everything from like breed, age, diet, lifestyle, do they have anxiety? Do they have allergies? Are they on medication? And built out this entire engine that would 
take in all this data and then kind of spit out a four treat daily pack recommendation for your dog. So kind of like building them a supplement stack that was custom to them. And then as your dog gets older or maybe their medication changes or maybe something new pops up for them, we can make any changes to those packs for them. So kind of a not a very new idea on the human side because you had companies mm. care of or persona or whatever else doing it on the human side, but animal or pet trends tend to follow like five to seven years after human trends. And so we were like early, I would say, Yeah. but I was like, why wouldn't people want to do this? Like this, it makes sense. Personalization is, is super important. And this humanization of pet as kind of a this like thesis was also really interesting. So we kind of built out this algorithm that looks at that. And then what happens now is we have like all this data on people and their pets and we can make better recommendations. We can create better products. We have like more insight into like, what are people really struggling with? Is everyone really suffering from allergies, anxiety? Like, is it geo like specific or more dogs in New York anxious? And our more dogs like in Texas have allergies. So it's really interesting from a data perspective. And we just use that information to inform us how to make just better decisions for the pet. That's so interesting. I think that anything in the, in the pet space at the moment is really interesting, especially you look at, like you just said, all of these health trends that we've seen happening and wellness trends in general with humans. I think it's like nearly 70% of American households have a pet now. That's increasing every year. And we love those pets like we love children. Like they are family. They're so important and people spend money there. So it's a really interesting space to be in. And I think before I got into it, I didn't realize how massive it was, but how much opportunity there still was. I still think there's a ton of opportunity and some companies who are doing really cool things in the space. It's huge and people are obsessed with their Mm. obsessed. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with my dogs. They get everything that they want. There's not, there's no, there's (laughs) nothing in this world I wouldn't give for my dogs, especially for them to be healthier and happier and like live longer. I would like give up my left arm. Like I, (laughs) I do. I love these dogs so much. And they totally me through like all of the, I don't know, they're just Mm -hmm. your companions. And I think COVID was actually very interesting for that because I think it changed a lot of people's relationship with their pets. Yes. And how they view them as like individuals. Because all of a sudden, like, you know, you go to work in the morning, 9am, you come back 6pm, you see your dog for a couple hours, and then you go to sleep. But like now, this one, you're sitting home all day with your dog. Like, yeah, I, they're your only person. Yeah, I can't even imagine like all like the like funny quirks and like nuances and whatever else people started noticing with their pets. I mean, you see all these like pet influencer accounts, mm-hmm. right? Like, all, it, everything just kind of like accelerated the whole category, I think by like, It was like five years in a year. Did you know that Female Founder World creates a free five-minute newsletter that keeps thousands of consumer brand builders in the know every single week? This is the product that we're actually most known for. And I thought, you guys, the fact that you're listening on the podcast, maybe you're missing out on the newsletter as well. It really is an awesome resource. It's filled with deep dives into your favorite consumer brands, resources. We unpack relevant business news and also tell you about the Female Founder World events and workshops that are happening online and in your neighborhood. Hit the link in the show notes to check it out. Did you guys raise money when you were starting Dandy? And and what did you do with the investors who you'd brought on early on with Juice Society? Did they roll into the new venture? Like, how did you handle that? 
No, we told them about the new venture. The original uh, investors in Juice Society were really just like a couple family and friends, but it was mostly yeah. me and my ex that funded like the store. Mm-hmm. Everyone was just like, great job. Congrats. See you later. It wasn't, I told them about the new venture. I'm like, if you're interested, whatever. But I think everyone at that point was like having babies and married and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we don't care. Good luck. Yeah. We just wanted to support you basically, which was very nice. And I was very lucky with Dandy. We raised a little bit of money before we launched, obviously like product and all stuff. So we raised a little bit of money. Then we raised again, like a couple months later, because we had like somebody come in and they were like, hey, we're really interested. I was like, okay, I can open up a little bit for you mm-hmm. and like open up the round a little. And then we raised one more time at the beginning of 2021. Awesome. So like, and so, so three little chunks, but it wasn't a lot. Like we never raised more than like 1.2 million bucks. But you like launch, scaled and sold this in two years. And I just need to understand how that happens because I think I've only ever really heard of like one or two other businesses that have done this. So how did that happen? Why did you decide that it was a good time to be acquired? Because it sounds like, you know, you guys are just getting started in the pet space. Why did you want to join a bigger company? Talk me through the thought process there. That's a great question. And sometimes I don't really understand it either. I'm like, I don't know. This feels like this happens so fast. Also because we were like launching during COVID, which was also just a crazy time. And it felt like, I was like, I don't know how we're going to make it through this. Like I was nervous. I think that- Did you like want to win under your belt? Do you think that that's part of it? I think a lot of people like when they're starting companies and they're so young, they're like, I want an acquisition. I want to win under my my belt. I know I've got more companies to go. Oh, I think that that's definitely a piece of it for a lot of people. Mm. I think that it's also like how you think about the business in general. I have a couple of friends who have really large businesses now and they're like, no, we're IPOing. That's it. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I'm like, cool. I'd never built Dandy to IPO. I always built Dandy thinking we're going to get acquired. Did I think it was going to be so soon? No. But I think that selling a business or deciding to be acquired, there's a lot of factors that go into it, obviously, right? Price being one of them, sure. But also just like, where do you feel like your energy and time is best spent? And what do you want to be doing? And for us, we got really lucky because the company that acquired Dandy is an incredible company. I, the... CEO is like amazing. We've had conversations maybe for a year before. And this is fuzzy, right? They have a vet telehealth company. Yep. Based out of San Francisco. We had conversations just about collaborating for almost like a year prior. And we were so aligned in our, we had the same vision for the same thing, but he, but they were approaching it from like a tech um, telehealth perspective. And I was approaching it from a product perspective, but we both mm-hmm. had plans to go into the other, like into yeah. the other side. Right. So we were having all these conversations and they were always like, I always left the conversation feeling just like super excited. And I was like, wow, their company is so cool. Like this is awesome. And, um, they're bigger than us, um, and had gone through sort of like more rounds of funding and whatever else. And I think that I was just really excited about the opportunity for Dandy to like join into a company like theirs. And because I still see so much potential and Mm -hmm. potential I saw for us running in our own lane versus us joining them and running together 
felt very different. I was like, okay, we're going to have to keep raising a lot of money. We're going to have to do all of these things to continue to scale. And to be honest, scaling a direct to consumer company is not easy anymore. It used to be easy back in, not easy, but whatever. It was different. Now your cost per customer acquisition is out of control. So it's like, you really have to be scrappy. You really have to think about other ways that you can kind of scale your organization. You have to think about funding to, to make sure that you could do that. Inventory. We have a couple of really big retailers we're launching in. Like, we had a lot of stuff going on. And I was like, this could be a really great opportunity for us to amplify and accelerate a lot of our timeline. And at the end of the day, I love Dandy. I love this company so much. I love the product. I love the people. I love our customers. And I felt like we would have a really great opportunity getting to where we wanted to go if we were able to join forces with a brand like Fuzzy. And yeah, it makes sense. Uh, on the flip side too, me staying on board and being able to now be a part of the Fuzzy team, I was really excited to learn also. Like I think I'm only 32 and I think at this point in my career having like always worked for myself. I was like, this is a really in, like interesting and fun opportunity for me to like join a new company and actually help them scale at a different level. It felt really exciting to me, but it's a very personal decision across the board. I think it really, ver- it depends and it matters. Yeah. Like, deals fall apart the last minute all the time too. And you're, so you're working across Dandy, you're working across Fuzzy, the whole business, and you're doing a lot of partnerships and influencer and that kind of thing. What are you seeing working in that space right now? Are you guys big on TikTok? Are you doing paid? What's pushing the needle? Yeah. So I think that like a lot of other companies over the past like four months, everyone's kind of like shifting strategy, right? Just because I think if you look at the market in general, everyone's kind of like, yeah, yeah. We're not freaking out, but I think you have to still be smart, right? About these channels are working. These channels aren't working. Are we moving into Mm -hmm. a recession, et cetera? Pet historically is like recession proof, like baby and a couple other categories. And so I think there's still a ton of room for growth and there's a lot of excitement, but I'm thinking more so like, how do we actually amplify a lot of the content and organic and like influencer and kind of experiential stuff that we could start doing on the dandy side. We did a lot of that historically fuzzy wasn't doing a lot. So it was really exciting for me to jump in and be like, Hey, like let's work with all these like micro and really build this community. It definitely is a lot of work and takes a lot of time, which I'm sure anybody knows who's built like any sort of like influencer program before. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of compounding, right? Takes a lot of time, gotta find like the right people. The content has to be good. Like there's mm-hmm. so much involved. But I think the idea that everybody is a creator and everybody is an ambassador is something I've always stuck by. I'm really excited about how we're building it out. I think that there's a lot of opportunity, like I said, on experiential as people are starting to finally come back, hopefully and feel comfortable and just like there's room for events and stuff like that. Like at Dandy, we had all this stuff lined up that we could never do. Like dog I'm big on in-person events at the moment. We have, I think, six coming up through the rest of the year at Female Founder World just because we've done a couple and they oversubscribe in like hours. Like they're so popular. People are so hungry to connect in person. I think people are literally just like get me – into get me out yeah just like get get me out of the house nothing feels normal the past two years yeah the news is like gloom and doom all day I don't mm-hmm. even watch it I'm like don't even read articles anymore because I'm like I don't want to I don't even want to hear it mm-hmm. you have to know what's going on but at the same time I'm like it's too much like I don't even think my brain can process it's too much horrible no it's too much that's happening all the time <laughs> 
I think I agree with you. I think people are like really dying to get back together and just like hang out and like experience brands in a new way. And so we're building out basically a plan for how do we do that, which I think it's so fun on the pet side too, because like people love yes. to together with their dogs. Like it's I like- want to come to an event. I don't have a dog anymore, but can I come? Yes, you can come, obviously. We should do one in Europe. <laughs> oh my God, totally. I mean, I'm only here. I'm only visiting. I'm only visiting. But let me know if you come to New York because oh, that's yeah. I always have. I have actually yeah. a bunch of ideas for New York. Just on the influencer stuff, right? Like everyone it could be an influencer, right? Yeah. Everyone is. And I think it's so different. When we were first starting Dandy and we were doing it, it was really, we were just gifting a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Now it's harder to find just people who you want to gift or like what rates are all over the place, which is a whole different. I think there's a business there, by the way. I think somebody needs to start some sort of business that helps people sort of reconcile and figure out like the right rate for an influencer because they're, they're all over. They're all over the place. And you know what is also like really interesting is like you can work with someone who has 300,000 followers and crickets, not even get a single sale. And you can work with someone who has 5,000 followers and have a really great day in sales. I feel like we've been saying this for a few years, but it has never been more true than it is right now that the size of someone's following means absolutely nothing. I actually think what's more interesting is how engaged their Instagram stories are, because that shows that people think of them as like a trusted friend. And I think that that's like actually the really interesting channel if you're on Instagram. Anyway, I want to know how how your day has shifted because you've gone from running your own business to, I guess, really leaning into this like partnerships, influence the marketing side, like a much bigger company. What does your day look like? Is it better? Do you feel like you've got a boss? Is it weird? What's it like? So I think I'm really, again, like got really lucky. I basically get to do everything that I love doing the most for Dandy, but now for Dandy and Fuzzy. And Mm. My day-to-day hasn't, my day-to-day has changed in the fact that I'm not thinking about anymore. Are we out of inventory? So my-, my That the, sounds the, nice. <laughs> yeah, which, which is actually, I really like it. And I actually really like like working with this whole new amazing team. Fuzzy has like a hundred something employees and the marketing- yeah. is it more structured? Yeah, I mean, everyone still is like work from home. So I think that mm. with that, right, you still get to kind of structure your day. Obviously there's like meetings and stuff like that that I like have to be on, but- I'm excited to be on them. It's all because it's all stuff that I really am interested in and love doing. Yeah. I think that that's like one change. Obviously, it's very different from like, I can operate very well, like lone wolf style and just like, I can just do everything. But it's nice to have like a team for support and like bouncing ideas off of the dandy team was really small. It was only four people. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to kind of have this larger organization. And I can talk to like, you know, our head of e-com or, you know, data folks. And I'm always just like poking and asking like new questions because I'm curious. And like, I think that's an important piece that I haven't lost, right? This curiosity to just like, I want to learn as much as possible. I'm like very much transition myself into this learning phase. That's also outside of work. Like I'm doing all this like reading and meditation, whatever else. But like, it's just, I, I really enjoyed it. And I was nervous for sure. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to work for somebody else. I've never worked for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I bet that's a big shift, especially, you know, you've literally been running your own businesses since you were in your early twenties. Yeah. It's 
it's pretty normal for when companies are acquired for the founding team to to join the new company and for like an acqui hire to happen. Are you, I know we can't talk about like the, the specific terms of the deal because you've been acquired by a private company, but are you incentivized to stay on for a certain amount of time? What do you think is normal or a good outcome for a founder joining a, a business in this way? I think it depends on like, again, what your personal goals are. I personally think it actually is great when a founder is incentivized to stay for a little bit if that timeline works for them, because there's a lot of transitional stuff that needs to happen. And if you don't want to kind of just hand off your business, be like, all right, bye, because the chance, yeah. the likelihood of that continuing to succeed are go down a lot. I don't know what the percentage is, but it will definitely go down because you're not, you don't have the same people. You got to do like a handoff. You got to transition. Mm-hmm. There, it takes time. There's a lot of relationships I've spent years building that are really valuable to Dandy and will and can be really valuable to Fuzzy too. Like there's a lot of just like, it's a very symbiotic relationship, right? So I think that it's great. I also think it gives the founder an opportunity to not necessarily take a breather, but like almost just like kind of step back and look again from a bird's eye view. And I think it lets you see things a little bit differently because when you're in it every single day and it's just you and your team, especially on the smaller scale, right? Which Dandy yeah. was and is like, it's a lot like you're overwhelmed. Like you can't, you have like blinders on and you're sometimes your creativity is just like out the door and you're just focused on like just getting shit done and like knocking it off a list and being able to understand that like, okay, now your organization's a part of a larger organization. Your capital is different, right? Your capital needs are, are no longer there, right? Now you're sort of a part of this yep. larger- You're out of survival mode. Yeah, so you can kind of like take a step back and be like, oh, wow, this would be a really great new product to launch. Or, hey, I actually don't think this is working as well as I thought it was. Or, hey, do have you guys seen this like operate differently? Like, how can we? So I think that there's a lot of really awesome learnings and it has allowed me again to kind of like step back and sort of look at the business a little differently. I'm still mm-hmm. loving those so much. <laughs> Before we let you go, because you are a serial entrepreneur and I thought you probably have ideas all the time. Is there anything aside from the influencer idea that you had before that you look at and you're like, somebody should go and fix this and create a business in this space? Like what is interesting to you? I have so many. It's not even funny. I have this one friend who's also an entrepreneur and I think I text him like once a week with a new idea. He's like, Danielle, stop, go chill for like (laughs) six months. Stop thinking of ideas. I'm like, okay, we'll tell someone to do this. I actually do have a really good idea that I am kind of talking to a bunch of people about viable. Um, And it's kind of, it's so random. It's not in my wheelhouse at all, which is like, which is why I'm like, "Hmm, I'm going to talk to like a million people about it, but it's around payments and refunds, which is so random. But I had basically every idea I have is because I have friction in an, in some sort of experience. So like I had to return something to Intermix or whatever. And I was like, I think I use like my debit cards and my credit card. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, 10 to 14 days, like for a refund. And I'm like, why the fuck does it take 10 to 14 days? Totally. Why? Yeah. Somebody doesn't make any sense. me that. Now, I'm sure there's a reason why. But I, but then I was also thinking about like at Dandy, we say the same thing. We were always like, oh, seven to 10 days. But it's really just because like you're slow to process and whatever else. Yeah. Definitely, there's definitely a way to fix this. There's definitely a group. There's of- a middleman there for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I'm interested in that. Mm, okay, that's cool. But outside of that, I'm mostly interested in like, 
I mean, I obviously like love investing in other companies. And I think it's really nice to see like all the innovation happening in the pet space for sure. But also just like CPG and tech mm-hmm. and like every, there's so many interesting companies out there that are doing really, really cool things. I love like real estate and land. I think it's going to be very important. Yeah. Just okay, everything just like curious about all of it. I'm very curious, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And then the last question is just for a resource. So, if there's like a book or a podcast, something that's helped you that you think other folks should get involved with, oh my god, okay. There's I have like a list of books that I really love, but I would say the one I started doing this thing last year when I was like going through my divorce and like all of this stuff, and I was like very overwhelmed. And I was like on my own for the first time in like 10 years. And I was like, Mm -hmm. like, this is so crazy. I started doing, making like a personal, this isn't necessarily a book or whatever, but I started every morning, like I'd obviously make, I'm a Capricorn. So I'm like very like, take that as you wish, but I I make lists. And obviously every morning I was making a list like for the business, like what do I need to get done? And then I started making a list every morning for myself. And I had to check off every single thing on that list. It was a, it was no longer, maybe I'll get to it or whatever else it had to be done. So every morning I would have the same thing. It was like journal, workout, get outside for 20 minutes or like walk the dog or whatever, meditate, like, like, and I would just, whatever, I would just make this list. And this literally changed my life because it taught me that I needed to prioritize myself just as much as I prioritize the business. And I started showing up in a way better form than I would have otherwise, because I was definitely in a time of like really high stress and like anxiety, mm-hmm. whatever else. And I just suffer from it, like really bad anxiety in general. So it really helped me sort of structure that timer is like my best friend. I met What's it called? Insight timer. It's an app. Mm for meditating. I meditate every morning for like five, 10 minutes, literally in bed. I wake up, I turn it on and I just sit there still with my eyes closed. I'm like probably half asleep, but it works. (laughs) And then every night when I go to sleep, I put on like a sleep meditation. So it like basically talks into your subconscious or whatever. I really love those. I think those have like changed my life. And then books, there's a book by Napoleon Hill that everybody knows called Think and Grow Rich. Mm -hmm. Have you ever read it? I have. That's a good one. It's a good one. I think it's very, it's a little like woo woo manifest, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's all about changing your mindset. And if you can change your mindset, you can literally change your life. And it's not because you're calling in like shit from the universe. It's because you are looking at things differently. And when you look at things differently, your opportunities open up and you have a different perspective. And that's literally all life is. So I really like that book. Have you done the Lacey Phillips to be magnetic courses before? I recommend this so much on the show. I need to like get an affiliate link or something. (laughs) It is the best thing ever. I think she's trademarked the term like neural manifestation. So it's all about neuroscience, hypnosis and psychology. And they have it in certain areas. So love business. Like Mm -hmm. there are these programs that you can do. It's like $20 a month to access their entire database and go through all of the programming. She's got a podcast. The podcast is a little woo-woo, but like, the actual like programs themselves are amazing. And I think you would love them. Yeah, I would love to do that. I like anything that's like tool-based as long as yeah. you can walk away with something tangible. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been awesome to learn about all the things you've worked on and what you're doing at Dandy and Fuzzy now. Thank you for having me. It's been really fun.